Hey there, everybody. Hey, hey. Uh, I'm your uh, co-host, Mongoose, and uh, this week, um, some plans fell through, but that's okay, because with me today, as always, and as ever, uh, as it has been in the past, and as it will likely be, hopefully, until the day I die, my co-host is here, Jack Caronet. How you doing, buddy? Still alive? Amen, brother. Absolutely. Amen, Borther. H-H. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um... What are you going to do when the uh, Hulk man comes for you or something like that? I don't know. I'm not that big into wrestling. And uh, with us is our independent show guest, wonderful audio guy, and all-around stand-up dude, John. John, how you doing? Hello. Good to be back. Kind of. It's all right to be back. Let's let's not get carried away. It's always a great day when you're on here, even if it is kind of <laughs> cloudy outside. But... You know, that's just all that. And uh, Little Wars, as you may or may not know, is the official podcast of Tuna Drinking Nationalism, uh, the oh. number one survival <laughs> technique for water reconstitution during the apocalypse. So oh. remember, so remember, gang, if you're ever playing Powered by the Apocalypse and need to flex on these nerds, drink your tuna in character and out of character. There's probably a move for that, something like resist the horrors from beyond the depths. Well, I've actually evolved on this on this position. I am now tuna agnostic. Tuna agnostic. Oh, so big brained of you. Indeed. <laughs> well, my position, drink. my position on tuna drinking, personally, is that I am of. Yeah, we know. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, in terms, in the context of powered by the apocalypse, I think it is advisable because. Do you really want to be playing a game with people that would play Powered by the Apocalypse? I mean, some Powered by the Apocalypse games are all right. It's the uh, most of them have a lot of problems, and the core Apocalypse world is really, I mean, as as we covered on this show, really stupid. But there are some Powered by the Apocalypse games that are pretty awesome. I think you'd like the Regiment, which is a uh, a World War II style Powered by the Apocalypse that actually has different rules for covering fire and suppression. Uh, I think you'd like that one, but it is it is indeed powered by the apocalypse. I, I might, I might, but depends on the people that play it, as usual. Yes. Uh, but you know, when you're playing with those kind of nerds, Soyam, those kind of people, always a good idea to try to drive them away in a way that that makes them make the decision to go away, not you. So you can kind of force it, and that's why that's why drinking tuna out of a can in front of them to gross them out is the is the best flex. In that scenario, in my opinion. I mean, it, I have much better options at my disposal to gross and freak people out than something that is so inherently harmful to my own soul. But is tuna is tuna water drinking harmful to your soul, though? No, I mean, it's a ritual it's, sacrifice to Cthulhu at that point. Not really. You're just drinking the water that's in the bottom of the tuna can after you eat the tuna out of it. No, that's, that's some Lovecraftian shit. I'm not doing it. Hmm... I am I am still unconvinced that tuna drinking is specifically like gross or whatever. Can you can you uh can you support your claim? Yeah, it smells bad. Don't want to do it. See, see honestly me, I've always used the the tuna the, the tuna water at the bottom of the can and put it in a little like bowl and fed to my cats when I had cats. See that that's that's based and red pilled. That's fine. Cats are disgusting anyway, so... Well, yeah, here's the, here's the question. Is if you had a cat girl... Ah, oh. see, see, there you go. S- suddenly, suddenly, Mongoose with the synthesis 
of th- that that right. was required. So, so when you think about it, when you eat the tuna and then give the cat girl the leftover tuna water, that's a romantic gesture. That's fine, but I'm not kissing her that night. <laughs> She's always going to taste like fish all over. Oh. She's a cat girl. <laughs> this is this is yet another reason why dog girls are superior to cat girls. What? Yes, absolutely. You, you I mean, take that I, back, sir. I am. I no. am actually. I actually going to back him up on this. Uh, given the choice, it's a dog girl all the way. I don't yeah. know any of you. What do you? Why Who would are you, you want- two? Why dog girls are loyal to their masters. They're energetic and oftentimes useful. They can be guard dogs. They can help you with searching or hunting if need be. They can uh, they can fetch your slippers. A cat will cat girl will just tear them to shreds. The cat girl or the cat girl won't won't look forward to when you come home. The dog girl, you leave the door and she'll just like sit there on her butt at the door and then you open it up and it's like nothing happened and she'll freak out every day you go yep. home. Excited. Yeah, pounce you and give you licks. Yep. Yes. Based and red pilled. Okay. So what's your reasoning for why cat girls are better? But they're, they're cute. And that's really the most important thing about a woman, right? Dog girls are cute. What do you, have you seen Momiji? She's adorable. Okay. Like certain dog girls can be cute. I'm not, I'm not specifically arguing against dog girls, but cat girls, come on. The cute ear twitching, the, 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 Nothing a cat girl can do that a dog girl can't do. Yeah. Um, in that regard. Okay. Here, here's the deal. If you want to have the perfect synthesis between the cat girl and the dog girl, you go with the fox girl. No, no, no. You go with the Kikimura. No, that's weird. Scaly foot. Sh- we're not doing that. No. Scales are amazing. You need to. You need no. to recant. No, I want her to get. All right, uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. You cannot, you cannot defeat, you cannot defeat scale nationalism. Uh, I can, it, but it, the, it's the synthesis of feathers, scale, and fur. It, it's it's the uh, uh, it's the it's the combination of the Holy Trinity uh, of of monster. Girl okay, activity. leaving aside Mongoose's weird desire to have a relationship with a chicken. <laughs> the fox girl is the perfect synthesis of dog and cat because it is both mischievous and energetic. It is both curious and loyal. It's got both of the best attributes combined into one. Hmm. 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 I'll leave you to think about this. Well, well, wait. The, the the fox girl might be a Japanese deity that's going to eat my soul and kill me. Okay, hot. Which is which that's is even blue better. Pilled, which is blue, blue pilled and and heathen. Right. Yeah, that's heathen. No, that's no heathen the, pilled and the blue, blue pill. The blue pill is like no god wants your soul. Your soul is so shriveled up and like untasty that it just disappears into the void. I mean, the fox girl tail. Okay, that's 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 pretty okay. But like, fox girl tail plus feathers. So it's got oh, down. All right. All right. This is, this is, this is Kiki Moore nationalism right here. You don't own chickens, do you? <laughs> no, I do not <laughs> what own What the fuck chicken. does that have to do with it? I own chickens. Okay. And as soon as you own a chicken, like that whole scaly foot feather stuff, it loses all its appeal. Cause you realize how terrible it is in reality. You gotta, you gotta take care of like a, of like an intelligent bird, man, like a parrot. Or uh, uh, don't even bring me that. That brings me back to flashbacks of my roommate's parrot screaming at all hours of the night. Yeah, but Ugh. a Kikimura would not scream at all hours of the night. That'd be that'd be good. That'd be a start because otherwise she'd be Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs>
Now that 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 is that is anathema. You can't even bring that up on here, John. That is anathema. You know, what? no, no. You got to eat something mm, on Thanksgiving, no, and we, she's a we big draw, bird. We draw the line at we draw the line at that. We will talk about all uh, sorts of nasty things on here, but we're gonna draw the line right there. All right, all right. I am also offended. Hey, you guys want to talk about uh, fantasy racism? Whoa, wait, wait. I, I was gonna transition into thirty k. What is this? Oh, no, fantasy racism. <laughs> Okay, well, let's talk about. You guys pick one, and I'll edit this transition out. <laughs> <laughs> Implying editing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I do a shit ton of editing, asshole. <laughs> I know you do, and we both appreciate. You know what? You know what? Honestly, this is a this is a uh, this is good content. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. Uh, okay, um, so spe- so here's my uh, super good transition. That was me inhaling, not snorting. Mm. Speaking of irrational hatred of things that look different from you, just like John's irrational hatred of Kiki Morris, uh, let's talk about fantasy racism. Now, uh, to, to start us off here, um, I kind of just want to parameterize the discussion a little bit, which is uh, really, really like kind of uh, pretentious speak for I want to get the conversation on track. And, and the, you know... Oftentimes, when you're like playing these games, you come across a lot of soy boys, a lot of bug men, a lot of soyum, as it were. And women. Don't forget women. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I see the soy boy as a genderless construct, right? Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I think you can reasonably argue the soy boy has no gender. It's simply an archetype of this like soy, like a soyum. They're, they're, they're soy cattle. Soyum. So soy blobs. Well, yeah, I prefer the term soyum because I think it okay. fits more because it's like, welcome to Soy Talk Live. <laughs> this, is your t- this is your host, Soyim. <laughs> um, so what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that you get these people, right? And they're very seeped in mo- m- modernity, man. They're not traditional, right? Uh, they're not in touch with their true selves, um, if that makes any sense. This doesn't work in verbal posting. <laughs> I'm going to make it work. Um, uh, please don't. For the two people that got that joke, they're going to think it's funny. <laughs> um, so they're very, they're very seeped in these values, and they, they have very odd takes about some things, and they, they make these odd observations. Like One of the classics is Tolkien was a racist and here's why that's a bad thing now um i think anybody listening to this is probably of the opinion tolkien was a racist so what or tolkien was a racist and here is how that is a hundred percent cool um and maybe there might be one or two people that are listening that are like tolkien was secretly a pagan um i don't know why they're still listening to this uh they would probably be very. Uh, they would. They would not like our posting. Um, no offense to them, but uh, I mean, if they like our posting, that's fine. But what I'm. So, what I'm. So they, they. They do these things, right? Like so. After I've kind of uh, gone around and done my, um, you know, digressions all over the place. The core of it is they have these really dumb takes, right? So one of the classic uh, critiques of D and D. Now, there are a lot of ways you can critique D and D. Dumb system, dumb setting at this point. Not, I mean, not as originally conceived, but at this point, dumb setting. 
the alignment system is dumb because of what's been done to it by dumb writers, uh, dumb editorial team, dumb writing team, dumb player base, dumb rules, too many rules, too many books. You know, these are all valid critiques in some sense or another and can be argued and debated among the highest levels of Spurg academia, as you hear here. And um, I mean, you have some very stupid critiques from its dumb player base like more racism. And that's what we're going to we're going to kind of explore that, deconstruct it a little bit. We're going to have a, a little bit of a Hegelian dialectic between um Spurg academia, the highest levels of monster girl posting and uh, uh discussion and um and the soyam and we're going to have a Hegelian dialectic and we're going to come to a rather than a Hegelian sy synthesis, a a Hegelian we're going to arm lock you, we're going to headlock you and then slam you into a locker. Uh that's that's going to be kind of how this is going to go. The Hegelian locker slam. The Hegelian locker slam. Mm, okay. I'm pressing X to doubt, but I'll, okay. Well, these people are nerds. It's not very hard to do. Well, one of the one of the most commonly uh, trotted out arguments is that the notion that a race can have an inherent nature is problematic. So something like uh, goblins are always chaotic evil. That's like that's something they frequently bring up. Uh, that that is a problematic idea because it implies that, well, that races have natures to them. That that race means something beyond just aesthetics. All right, let me take the middle of the road argument on this very fast because I'm going to give the middle of the road argument that I think is reasonable that most reasonable people argue against this. And I think rather than critiquing that point, because I think everybody who's listening to this kind of knows that's stupid. Because uh, all that, all the, all we have to do in response to that is just rehash everything like uh, alternative hypothesis has ever done on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Let's critique the normie tier argument against it, right? Mm -hmm. And then deconstruct that because the normie tier argument against this is always, well, the goblins aren't a race; they're a species, right? I mean, okay. I sometimes see that, yeah, but it's a lot. Of, a lot of times, what I'll see is more. Um, you know, yeah, I agree that it's problematic that that they that they assign vast swaths of people types to certain uh, natures, but then that gives you opportunities to highlight the individuality of individuals inside that race because they might go against the the norm, and by doing so, you're showing that it's not universal. Hmm. So that's very dumb. But like, yeah, that's yeah, not really an argument against it. That's just uh that's just an out signal, right? Like, right. I'm talking about what the argument against is delivered. Like, not the normal. Like, that's the common response. But when you're looking at the people arguing against it, the most common argument is, well, they're different species, and species act differently, mm. which is then meant with a bunch of cognitive dissonant response. Now, the thing about this argument is they they don't really have a good response to it in in my uh, in my experience. Um, and they end up they end up doing a bunch of weird cognitive dissonance posting in response, um, never really acknowledging the point that you know they'll they might like talk about elves and humans, but um, well, so so what do you what what, what do you mean by cognitive di dissonance posting? Just like just like oh well, they're different species and leave it at that. Well, yeah, when you say when you say like okay, so the the, the goblins are different species, therefore they would they would act differently. The responses you're going to get normally end up leaving goblins like they they like leave goblins entirety and start talking about elves mm -hmm. or something elves and humans because they can breed together and that's not technically different species without actually even addressing the original point like like you know when you've got someone in cognitive dissonance either they'll try to rationalize it or they'll just ignore it, right? And so they start, you know, ignoring it. 
Yeah, I can I can see that. Well, so so yeah, so I I think I mean I've long uh, theorized that this was the next uh, the next um, goal of the uh, of the uh, of the folks at places like Wizards of the Coast and uh, places like that where they were going to try and like extract this this problem from their game. Yeah, and to do that what they could very easily do is to just uh and 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 i feel like they tried to do this in fifth edition a little bit they they try to make everything uh like optional right like like racial differences between like squish all the races down and make them optional but allow you to pick from a certain set of like cultural differences from those races yeah and there's a lot of that going on in the indie scene well, fifth edition straight up includes sub races. Yes, which is like actual actual races as we conceive of them in this world. <laughs> well, right, but that but that doesn't that doesn't necessarily like like see see that that's the thing though is that people don't mind that right like like these these people don't mind there being different races they just mind that the races are intrinsically different. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the phrase that they say all the time is that having different stats for different races justifies the notion of scientific racism, which can then be applied in the real world towards real life races. Like that's their their canned spam response for why this is so bad. So th- this is this is the question. Um, that that th- this is this is where I think the strongest argument, rather than arguing race realism, even I think the strongest argument against this is simply to beg the question. So if you're not going to have mechanical differences between uh, different races, how do you delineate mechanical differences uh, stock for characters? Do you delineate them by class or not at all? Well, what, what I commonly see is that a lot of homebrews or new indie games are moving away from the term race and they're using heritage. And heritage just it can, it can mean like bloodline sometimes, but that that comes down to like social class, right? So like you know you you've got the noble heritage, but then it oftentimes also includes things like the uh, culture that your character grew up in, regardless of race. So if you lived in like a metropolitan human city, well you've got that that city's culture even if you're a goblin, or if you you know grew up in the forest, you've got the forest uh, heritage. So they're mm. trying to move away from that and make everything as rootless and cosmopolitan and you know as they are. It's it that's that's a lot where a lot of these people are heading. See, that's that's the difficulty. Is like, okay, do they have size modifiers then? <laughs> well, it depends on the si- I, actually. I think D and D has size size modifiers. Yeah, they they do, but but they've been getting less. Right, but, but the question is, when you're doing a homebrew, do you acknowledge that goblins are smaller than humans? I don't know if they do or not. Well, they do. Well, so so well, okay, so so the problem the problem with that though is that they're also getting getting more and more vague about that. Like I'm I'm pretty sure fifth edition only gives you like a plus one to, to like attack or something like that if for size modifiers. Yeah, um the old Savage Worlds edition before the new one actually had, you know, the size modifier affected how how much you were hit, how big you were, what you could fit into and uh like it gave the opponents a bonus on hitting you and affected your stats somewhat, which all of it made sense, right? Like it was all like fairly normal, good stuff for a size modifier. It was, it kept it pretty simple, but without, um, you know, I think also that might even be a, uh, hmm, I'm trying to think it might even just be a way them attempting to simplify the rules. 
uh, somewhat with fifth edition, yeah. even rather than trying to move away between racial differences. Because when when right. you're when you're dealing with the size modifier, it's not only just dealing with player characters; it's also dealing with things like giant sandworms and stuff. So if it's just that blanket across, they're probably uh, they're probably simplifying the system. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ostensibly, the differences in the bulk or you know the body type is built into those racial modifiers to the stats. Uh, theoretically, yes. I mean, with um, some things like uh, where you have a system like D and D or or even Savage Worlds, where uh, you actually have a um, where you actually have a size modifier that actually kind of affects things. You can you can really sort of rely on uh, you or not rely, but you kind of need a a well. This is our class. And our class says uh, that you have a size modifier of this. Not necessarily incorporated into the stats, but it's like a separate thing on top of it. You know? Yeah, so, well, yeah. I mean, the... the, 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 the I, I, think, I think the point here, though, is that uh, they are... I mean, I mean, while they're trying to squish all of these stats down... Into be into basically nothingness. They're they're basically they're basically starting to make their game. Uh, they're they're basically starting to make the progression almost not worth it. You know what I mean? The progression or the initial character design choices. That the latter. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's and and that is to some degree an applaudable choice uh, because. In past, it's almost been like the choices you make when you first uh, choose the character, or design the character, have been like they will determine how your character will play out through the entire campaign. How they'll exactly how they'll level up. Like you might have a little choice, you get to choose a feat here or there, or which attribute you level specifically. But there's been in the past editions D and D. That's one of my biggest problems with it is that you're locked in from character start. Really, like you're you're on a track. And you're gonna go up that roller coaster up and up and up and up because it's it's a very specific track. Um, so I, I applaud that, but I think I applaud that that intention, but they're doing it wrong by removing options for character differentiation like this. Yeah, I um, I tend to so when I when I run when I run games, I'll uh, I'll include a bunch of different types of like normal people. But I, I tend not to mechanically differentiate them all that much because the scale of systems, the slight differentiations that humans have kind of pale in comparison to between the differences of a human and a frickin' dwarf, right? Well, answer me this real quick. Would one person having 60% of the strength of another person be worthy of mechanical differentiation? Oh, yeah, that would. Then why do men and women have the same strength at attributes? Um, because anime battle girls are based in red-pilled. Oh, okay. So that's the right. That's the right wing deconstruction of gender. Okay, gotcha. It's the, it's the right wing deconstruction of gender, as in a woman wielding a sword as a waifu is hot. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and not that they should be treated as equals, because if they're not, it'll like discourage them from becoming firemen or something. Right. Okay. Women, women are allowed to fight things insofar as it increases their attractiveness. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's traditional. That's this trad. Is, see, like Valkyries and stuff, very very trad. Well, and, and and I mean, I mean, that's legitimate too because that's 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 why we got a lot of the female characters back in the eighties and nineties that we did was that like they just they just thought it was cool. They thought it was hot, and it's a fantasy setting, so it's like, eh, what, what, why the hell not? 
you know i actually don't have as much problem with with men and women getting the same stats more or less because well you know, it's not as big a deal in something like D where it's high fantasy there's magic freaking everywhere but if you're gonna do something if you're gonna do that in like a, a low fantasy like you know reasonably realistic medieval setting it stands out a lot more well, if you're if you're doing like a historical simulator, I can understand why. But if you're doing say like low fantasy but still going with more of an anime vibe, like it depends on the vibe of the campaign individually more than anything else, right? Well, I mean, you saw where I was talking about Pendragon the other day. Like Pendragon is supposed to be evocative of the Arthurian legends and lore and that sort of time. Yeah, yeah. let's just give the audience like a very very fast rundown. Like simplest rundown on Pendragon you can. I just did. I it's it's designed to be evocative of Arthurian legend, the uh, the books about King Arthur and his uh, Knights of the Round Table and the adventures that they would go on. And Perfect. and uh, right. it's an interesting game because each session is actually uh, takes place over one year and in between sessions you have a house that you manage. And you can uh, have them generate wealth and heirs and get married and produce children. And then when your character dies or has to retire, you can play as your children. That, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I wanted you to say. That's all. <laughs> OK, all right. It's a really cool idea. Really, really neat idea. But the problem is they have an entire section in there about playing Lady Knights and about how important it is that GMs don't dissuade their players from playing Lady Knights. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, Battle Knight Waifu, all right, cool. And there's a bit about how, you know, we don't cover the, the problematic implication that women are not as strong as men. So women get all of the same. And the thing that makes this extra weird is that it has a complete table for determining your character's height down to the inch. And your height influences things like your character's speed and uh, toughness and strength. And you use the same exact mechanics for creating a woman. Because if you didn't, it'd be sexist, according to the books. But it would be. But there's not a problem with that. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> I said... You said it, it would be sexist in the books. And I'm like, yes, it would be sexist. Yeah, reality is sexist, Cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can die mad about it, you uh, you little... Uh, yeah. you little. Uh, I can't... See, all of their insults are so, like, crass. Like, uh, P-Baby or, like, S-Lord. Like, you know, can, can we, like, have an insult for someone that is actually, like, you know... You know, like, Soy Boy. Soy Boy's not, like, vulgar. Yeah. <sighs> That's just a unique aspect of their psychology, I think. Okay, quit derailing. I'm mad about I'm mad about <laughs> Pendragon. Quit derailing I'm me. I'm sorry. So so I'm actually I'm I've actually been mad about something as far as D D racism goes. I'm actually I've actually been mad about something for a while. So like so so things like uh things like dwarves get plus two constitution, right? Or yes. um, or elves get plus two dexterity, right? Well, yes. Dwarves also get like stone cunning, right? And and when you read about the the ability, uh, it says that dwarves grew up in an environment where they you know had you know they were able to uh, you know detect various stones or whatever, right? Well, that's that's kind of a cultural trait right and and i feel like i feel like in the in the last couple of D editions they have kind of um they've kind of confused the two right like 
like racial perks that you get like ultra vision or uh or you know an, an, a plus two attributes versus something like uh like how elves used to get i don't know if they still get it but they used to get the 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 feet for um for firing long bows and uh short bows right because they're elves mm. so like so like d- d- are do are el- are all elves born with the innate knowledge like a spider where where they're able to like fire bows or is this just something that they've learned in their community right well it's like it's like even when you go to the highest levels of like politics for instance you go up to a black senator and he's gonna play basketball (laughs) (laughs) so it's like a racial feat yeah it's not a problem it's like a racial feat okay yeah they come out dribbling the placenta (laughs) (laughs) i um see when i when i run things I, i tend to try to leave uh when i do my you know when i'm in my home system of savage worlds i tend to leave those things kind of more up to in player interpretation um and uh, really what I'm trying to do is try to get them to interact with the setting more. But the other thing you got to understand is um, a lot of a lot of player characters are sort of supposed to be like weird people, even for their society. So it would make sense like if everyone in the society does this, the, the player character out of that society may not necessarily do that because he's been doing something else that would make him a PC, you know? Yeah, like odd and one yeah. would want to leave, especially and especially if they're elves. You know, elves don't like right. things that are odd. Right. Like, I, I hate to do, to like break down back into like fate posting, but you know, Emmy is autistic. Like that's kind of like what sets him apart from everyone else. Is like he doesn't do normal things. He's just autistic. Like he just repairs things for people, and is just autistic. Like that. He doesn't do a club. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Like he's just really autistic that's all well part of that jack would be could be seen as the designers trying to enforce a certain vision of the world so like Mm -hmm. they want elves to be archers that's that's part of the world that they envision and so the way that you go about ensuring that happens is well you give every elf the feat that lets them use these bows hmm I don't see. I don't like that either. Now, I, not necessarily because an elf can be anything they want, but realistically speaking, a society needs stone cutters. It needs masons. It needs bricklayers. It needs um, it needs ditch diggers. It needs woodworkers. Yeah, but you're not playing those. But you're not you're not playing a ditch digger. You're playing as an adventuring elf. Right. I'm playing as an adventuring elf. But there's there's no reason why I my father couldn't have been a ditch digger and I couldn't have learned how to dig ditches as opposed to fire a bow. Which feat is that? There's no feed for ditch, digging ditches. It's okay, purely, that's my it's, point. My, that's my, my point. point. My point is purely hypothetical, right? Because, again, I'm a rules light system guy, so if somebody wanted knowledge ditch digging, I could make that into some kind of a skill. I agree. I, that's I, that's why I prefer rules light systems as well. Uh, but if you're working with specifically rules as written D&D and you wanted that kind of character, I don't see – like I would say that would be up to the GM. You could go to them and say, hey – my character's never used a bow in his life. Can I swap this for this? And, and this is the backstory as to why that would make sense. And a good GM would probably be like, yeah, oh, no, sure. a, re- a reason. Yeah. A reason. Any reasonable GM, not even necessarily a good, but any average reasonable GM would allow you to uh, swap things out as long as it's reasonable. Right. Cause right. you do get people that show up and they're obviously trying to break the game with their swaps. Yeah. Oh man, don't bring me back to, don't make me bring up my Shadowrun campaign and the min-max uh, player that just joined us this week. Oof. Whew. 
So should we, uh, this is something actually that I've been thinking about bringing up. Should we go into the uh, Pathfinder's uh, racial build system? That uh, they I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it. If you'd like to explain I it, it, I think that would be very interesting. So, yeah, so uh, so Pathfinder, I forget which book it's in. It's like it's like the second or third DM uh, uh, Dungeon Master Guide or something like that. But uh, they included a system. I don't actually, I actually don't have much prep on it right now. But I remember because I was in a, uh, I it was possible for me to to have joined a uh, a Pathfinder Eberron game, and I wanted to make myself. This was before the Eberron book. Uh, was released for fifth edition, I think. I think they've released one, and I wanted to make myself a uh, um, a warforged in Pathfinder. So what I did was I I, I went about it. Basically, the the idea is that um, it's kind of like a point buy system. I'm pretty sure that every uh, uh, every race gets like ten points or something like that, and you can adjust it up no, or down. It's, it it uses the um, the overall amount of perks that you buy affects your effective level, which is like the oh is that that's it? like that's like the no. starting level that you start like a, that you don't get to put into a class. Right, right. No, no. I I thought I thought, I, but but I thought there was like a. I th- I thought there was like a like a system where it kind of like that you could you could like get up yeah you get you get some for free but if you yeah, start adding right. too many more it ups your effective level right right and you can you can add traits that give you negative uh, levels too or negative effective levels the generic was plus two to one attribute minus two to one attribute and then like a, a perk or uh, like a uh, skill bonus and like a perk for free. And then you had a list of things that you could add or subtract that would, that could modify that as well. But then if you added too many, it would up your effective level basically. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially uh, effectively that. And, and I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think that's like a reasonably effective way to do that. I mean, like I, I was, I was kicking around the idea one time of, uh, of having like kind of a basic or maybe a less than basic, uh, uh, campaign and just giving the system up to my players and f- see what they come up with you know i mean i, I would immediately make the uh, custom race women plus two charisma minus two strength <laughs> yeah savage worlds actually has a built-in uh custom race maker yeah with it yeah i've been meaning it, it to quite look similar and you know what's you know what's funny it just occurred to me is that these soyam are complaining about the mechanical difference in races and yet the rules enforce the notion that the races are all equal they're just slightly different right because they all have the exact same amount of bonuses and drawbacks they're all mechanically exactly equal in terms of of the benefits versus uh you know the penalties but that's not good enough they have to be literally equal literally the same thing in order for these people to be satisfied Listen, listen, John. All of us are equal, but some of us are more equal than others. I Ooh. still don't. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> I still. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah. See, see, um, I'm see, Nazbul gang rise up. Uh, the ideal system is a classless system with many races. Oh, uh, that's the that's the idea. Mm. Well, then, boy, do I have the game for you. Have you ever played Shadowrun? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say AD and D. Well, it's also there's also um, Savage Worlds works well for that. Mm. Any yeah. number of things would. The difficulty with Savage Worlds though is because of the way the system is parameterized, 
a lot of the things like say you want to make a cat girl race unless it's like drastically different from humans the optimal way to make it a thing is just like say oh they're humans with slightly better eyesight and hearing and uh we just role play that no mechanical benefit or like whatever natural addiction mild catnip yeah something like that yeah just just the slight things, and then they would just be role-playing kind of things as opposed to, like, harsh mechanical stuff. Because if you start getting into the mechanics, it's like, oh, oh, this doesn't work well at all. Well, I think that's fine if you're talking cat girls, because if you're really overemphasizing the mechanical differences, you're getting into dangerously furry territory. Indeed. I mean, like, you know, that's just how it, that's just how it do. Like, I was trying to think about that for a long time now. It's like, eh, somebody wants to play a cat girl. It's just like, okay, well, you just got to figure out a way to do it effectively. That's going to be on you. And you will be called on it if you do it ineffectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't forget to bully your players when they do things wrong. That's that's important. <laughs> it's the most important, honestly. Yes. Yes. So do you have anything, anyone have anything else on that? Um, not really. Just as I've been saying, make sure that you always include the idea of mechanical differences between races in everything you do, if only to detect that one problematic person who's going to complain about social justice to you. And then you can just not tell them when the next session is. Or you could be you could be me and simply just put out an application on racism Twitter. Yeah, an exceedingly autistic application process. <laughs> now, now you you yes, it's it's autistic, but more so on my end because I had designed a perfect meta application that it gives me answers based on the way people answer, not what they answer. Hmm. Gonna have to check this out. Today is the deadline, I believe. Oh shit, I gotta get on this. It's gonna be today, tomorrow. It might even be so I haven't decided when I'm gonna call it closed, but there's gonna be a certain point where it's just like it's closed. But it yeah, it'll probably be like today, tomorrow, or Monday. I don't know. So after you're hearing this, dear listener. You've already missed the deadline, unfortunately. <laughs> you missed it. Sorry. <laughs> this is why you should follow me on Twitter at, at M underscore Kikimura. Um other, otherwise, you'll miss out on all your good mongoose lore, like tuna drinking nationalism. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, hey, man, it's uh, it's good stuff. No, you gotta flex on these nerds. Get that extra protein in your diet. You paid for <laughs> it. You might as well eat it. Okay, so real quick, I just want to complain about my Shadowrun game. Okay, so, do so, and then I'll then I'll then I'll complain about my D and D game, okay. or uh, not complain. I haven't decided what, what the angle I'm going with this yet. All right, well, so we had one of our guys quit because uh, again, this GM doesn't have much common sense. So he let in two different Europeans into a late night American game. Ooh, nice! And then what? So one of them, a British guy, uh, was having a problem where he was trying to voice talk. And his parents or his sister would bang on his bedroom wall to get him to shut up because they're trying to sleep because they all have jobs. So, <laughs> so he would have to... Oi, bro, you got a role-playing license? <laughs> yeah. Oi, I'm trying to sleep. I, I gotta go to me, me fish and chips stand in the morning. No, um, so, so he would have to, like, whisper to try and play and even then that wasn't enough they'd bang on it so he'd have to like type in the chat his his character actions until they went to sleep and then whisper and then they'd wake up and bang on his wall so it was a huge mess and eventually he quit 
Uh, and so like, all right, good. But we still have one other European guy. So that's still frustrating. But anyway, so we were down to four players, which is still perfectly reasonable. And I think that's, that's completely fine for a team. We didn't really have anything we were lacking specifically, but there's this, apparently this golden notion of the five man team that we have to have. So the uh, GM decided to do another recruiting run to find somebody to fill in. And he had 10 applications and the, the application he decided to go with was somebody who submitted the character idea for a magically empowered troll who's been augmented with Bioware. Lol random XDDDD. I'm 100% sure that's the DM's line of thinking. 100%, I bet you. No, it's not It's not so much law random because he did actually provide a backstory that made sense for why he was these things. And you'll never guess what it, wa- what it is, what the backstory is. I was a super soldier experiment in a secret lab who uh, was released during a raid in the middle of the night and r- wandered my way out onto the streets to try and find out how to survive. Nice. If you couldn't see that coming, then I'm sorry. You just you don't get Shadowrun. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, the the that's the NPC you should have, not the. Uh, not, I've run that NPC before. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine for an NPC, but it also pretty much 100% guarantees that this character will not be interesting to role play with. But anyway, so so he's a uh, he's a troll, which already costs some points to to be a troll because you get a massive bonus to uh, the toughness and strength stats. Like, I mean, normal human range is one to six. Trolls start with five in both of them. Mm. Then they can go up to eleven. I think it is. Mm, that, that's pretty racist. So you, yeah, it is racist. Yeah. Uh, I think they also have lower agility as well. But anyway, so you can go up. So he's already starts with a massive bonus. Then he's getting the uh, physical adept, which is a type of magician who only uses magic to empower his own body. So he's going to be boosting his own attributes using magic, things like lightning reflexes and boost strength and all that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, he's going to have Bioware which is a type of cybernetic enhancement that does not impact magic use as much as cyberware does, but is still used for things like, oh, gee, I don't know, empowering your own body and lightning reflexes. So he's literally just stacking every source of empowerment possible into one absurd character who's going to be so tough and strong that the rest of us who all built, you know, actual people who make sense in the setting and are interesting to interact with, all of us are, like, reasonably powerful, not not that strong, and not that tough, and he's going to have this one character who's basically a tank. So you know what's going to happen. In order to provide a challenge, the Game Master is going to have to up the dangerousness of the enemies that we're fighting, and it's going to devolve into... The rest of us are plinking away with pistols or, you know, whatever and not doing much damage, but we're being shot at by sniper rifles that could kill us in one hit just to ensure that this troll player guy is getting us is getting enough of a challenge and has uh, enemies that are tough enough uh, that he can actually damage them. And, you know, it, it, it makes sense to have that much strength to damage them. I just I guarantee mm. this is where this is heading. I've seen this before. Sounds like a terrible group. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so done with this group. <laughs> I've I've run into that problem in the past personally when running in that running games. It's something you kind of got to learn. Yeah, 
I yeah. I got a lot of my bad habits out of my system in high school. I've learned a lot more. You have to have the wherewithal as a GM to recognize the tone that your players are going for and when another player is not in line with that tone and then set them straight. Say, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing the super-powered, you know, lol, I'm a walking tank uh, that can punch uh, armored vehicles onto their sides. We're going for these are interesting characters. This is a largely social game. This is focused on exploration. Like that, these are all things that should have been laid out. But this guy is just so not involved. He's not doing his job as a GM properly. So it led to it led to bringing in someone who's just going to ruin the tone of the game. Unfortunately, hmm. ruin games. I tend to I, I tend to have a lot of those in in the uh in the past well it's one of the main reasons that i switched from playing to to running the game because i can see all these things and i'll, I'll tell the gm this but he's just so not the, i don't know he just he's he's not there enough to or doesn't care enough or i don't know what the problem is but he just he doesn't see it as an issue and so i already know where this is going i can tell the the skill level of this game master and yeah it's 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 going to just it's going to ruin things. It's going to make it not fun for there's three of us that are heavily invested in the role play and in our characters and, a, and the exploration. There's one guy who's not. He just literally shows up on the session, doesn't do anything in between, doesn't ever characterize, like doesn't he doesn't do anything to flesh out his character at all. And it's like, "All right, that's fine if it's just one guy." But uh no, I can I can tell that this is going to tear the group apart. And I'm just it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion and just being like, "No, don't get off the tracks. No, you're not going to. All right, whatever." Ah, uh, yes. I recently finished a game that had, didn't go off the train wrecks because I have gotten exceedingly good at hurting cats. Uh, hurting cats, not hurting cats. Well, the way you hurt cats is you hurt them. The stick is better than the carrot in that case. Let's be real. Well, yeah, carrots work for rabbit girls, not cat girls. True. True enough. Killing Bites was a good anime. Totally 100% recommend, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it or not, John. I, I, you would love it. I have not even heard of this, but I'm intrigued. I'll talk to you after the show. It's something you need to watch. Okay. You in particular. Now, I as a as a, since I've been like moving around a lot and stuff, I've I've been building groups of new players around me everywhere I kind of end up. So what this what this means is I've gotten exceedingly good at inculcating people into a system they've never played before realizing what to do. And then, and then I, I have also gotten exceedingly good at recognizing new player archetypes. Like you got a lot of classic archetypes. Like one of the classic archetypes is uh, you've got the guy who has no idea what he's doing, just does random stuff, copies tropes he likes, and then doesn't have much fun because he doesn't really exactly understand what he's doing. Mm. There's the surprisingly competent new guy who actually should be in a more experienced party and, uh, is being dragged down by everybody else. There's the the guy who thinks that this is just a uh, Bethesda game and treats it like such, and then proceeds to get his face kicked <laughs> in by the world. So he, he like walks up. He walks up to NPCs. Is like, I tell him a joke. I coerce him. I compliment him. I bribe him. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more like it's more like lol. I rape the village, kind of. St- tier stuff you know you can't, the, i what, can do whatever i want what mod are you installing so it's a bethesda game with mods yeah i was gonna say what mod <laughs> are you installing that lets you do that 
Well, not not you know the not necessarily that, but the vibe you get from most open world video games, where it's just like I can do whatever I want, and the mm-hmm. video game can't really respond a well effect and effectively and well because it's a game world, not a real world, right? So it's like I I go up to the villager's bedroom and I start ruffling through his nightstand while he's standing there staring stuff at me. Stuff like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Or like I put a bucket over the shopkeeper's head and stuff. And I've explained <laughs> this to people. And no matter how many times you explain to your players, yeah, this isn't a Bethesda game. There will always be that one guy who's like, ah, it's not a Bethesda game, which means it's GTA. Oh, <laughs> you know. Oh, oh no. yes. I don't know. I don't. I, you you must not play with a lot of new players. If this is like these are like the Trident Two archetypes. Um, well, you've got, I don't play D&D. Uh, you've, got the, you've got the aggressively mediocre guy who actually just enjoys the game, tries his best, but his best is just kind of midly satisfactory. But, you know, it's not like bad, so it's okay. Uh, it could be worse. It could be better. That would be that fourth guy that I mentioned that we have in our group. It's it's yeah, that's exactly that. And that, but the thing is, it's like that guy, he'll the, like normally that guy will like improve over time. So he'll be okay, like in, a, in as a new player. So that guy's okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you've got like, and then you've got like the one veteran player uh, who is either really weird or you already know or something like that. And that that guy ranges the gambit the most at any of them. Yeah. Like, so we got a campaign. Um, just to give you a quick summary, that the the arc of the campaign was they're in not Saint Petersburg and they're going to not fantasy Finland where everyone is a kind of pseudo Valkyrie person and uh, dealing with some political intrigue. Because somebody's gone missing and the person that's in charge of getting her back is afraid of political retribution and is going to hire some foreign mercenaries to do it. And that's what the party are. So they're, they're strangers in a strange land and they're kind of doing some, some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you would, you would think that a bunch of people on the ethno-nationalist side of things would kind of understand like, oh, this is a foreign country. I'm a foreigner. I should respect their, uh, their, their values. That did not go over well. Are they going like full-on imperialist colonialism on them? Not not imperialist colonialism, but like, oh, these the natives are dumb oh, <laughs> kind of thing. These natives who built an entire civilization, yeah, they're idiots. Right, like like and it's it's not even like an incompetent civilization. They have a they have their own like bizarre native religion, obviously, like that's different and it's weird because it's different, but like everything else is pretty conventional. These aren't like, oh dude, we're gonna sacrifice the human being on top of this uh on top of this like um giant plinth. It's more like, oh, they have different courtship rituals, they eat different food than you and uh they speak a different language and they have little wing things growing out between their uh, temples and ears like a valkyrie and they just sort of stand around and do normal stuff and uh, <laughs> they have different types of alcohol like they're not like they weren't they were not that far off right, right? right. Now, now obviously they were like oh these people are weird they're foreigners like they're doing the bit normal like you know they're being hospitable but they're not being like hey you friendo you know yeah. so um you know they, they do the weird thing so Three weeks in, I think we had a party member get his arm. Okay, so uh, the party starts to do this kind of stuff, mistreat the general area. It re- kind of it kind of reaches a, an apex point where they're riding on a barge between a lake and another lake down a river uh, to get to a large city so they can do some investigating and go some other places. And one of the players decides. So one of the one of the um. One of the boat guys, I forget the exact reason, he had tied himself 
to the railing to go down the side of the boat to retrieve something or something. I, I forget exactly what the deal was, but he had he had gone down the side of the boat and this dude just thinks it's a genius idea. I'm going to take my axe and chop the rope and let this dude fall into the water. Well, of course, this is like this is like October in not Finland, which means if you fall into the lake water, you're dead. <laughs> like, what was his what was his reasoning for that? There was no reason. Like, what's your reasoning in GTA where you just start trying to shoot everyone you possibly can? You don't really do a reason. You just think it's going to be fun, right? I don't play GTA that way, but all right. Well, I mean, people <laughs> do that, but like, well, of course you don't. You're you. Like, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm not worse. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not it's not that. It's just like uh it's difficult to explain. I, I exactly like he didn't have a thought process behind it. So, he gets locked up on the deck of the ship as was tradition back in the that those times is they wouldn't necessarily have brigs. They'd just chain you to the deck. So, he was chained to the deck. And uh he is acting as though this is some form of grave injustice. What and uh, oh, I was about sorry, sorry. That's my mistake. I was about to ask what is his reasoning behind that. I apologize. I take it back. Oh, uh, th- believing that it's a grave injustice. Yeah, you just you've already answered that this is not a rational being. This is like a like an emotion blob rolling around, lashing out at everything around him. So why ask for his reasoning on this? I, it doesn't make any difference. Well, the the, the he he um because it, the the world wasn't letting him do whatever he wanted. Yeah. That's how worlds do. Because it's not it's not acting like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I actually I actually personally I blame playing these games over uh, over the internet and the videoification video gamification of this kind of thing because uh, because that that's essentially what he's doing. He's logging into his computer and he's attempting to role play, right? I I disagree. Um I I have these pro- I've had these problems repeatedly in non-online games before. I blame I True. blame that that genre of video game more than it cuz I noticed this problem prior to this campaign, right? Like this campaign was just oh it manifested itself again and again, right? Mm-hmm. I blame I I personally hold uh Rockstar Studios and um Bethesda responsible for a lot of problems with <laughs> modern role-playing game players. Don't we all? It's not just that, though. I, I agree that they are a problem. But the thing is, in order to be a good player, that you have to have a willing suspension of disbelief and an intentional investment in the reality of the setting you're playing in. And if you're not willing or capable, either one, either willing or capable of doing that, then you are a bad player. Like, you, you guys rail against gatekeep or, or against the notion of gatekeeping and complaining about gatekeeping. But there is such a thing as a bad player, and a bad player is one that refuses to meet the setting halfway and become invested in it. Either refuses or is incapable of it. Oh no, I'm a, I'm aware. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was that was part of the problem. Okay. Um, and because uh, they, I think it was a it was a difference in expectations. Like they they had wanted to rope a guy in to run a um. Uh, a siege fantasy for them, I think, in in some part. And I showed up, and I'm like, "Now nah, we're gonna do a more normal D and D game because let's just do that because that's gonna be more fun than just retelling a just an edgy story over voice chat." Well, I don't even see how the whole like chopping a guy to fall into a freezing river would be. I I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm having 
trouble wrapping my head around this. Yeah, let me let me let me continue with uh, with okay, my okay. With my interesting narrative because it gets worse. Oh, because another party member also sees this as a grave injustice and decides that he needs to extract revenge after they. So they get to the city, and the way these people run law is you either go to one or two courts. You go to a martial court or you go to a, a church court. They ended up in martial court, so uh, that just means um, physical punishment, right? <laughs> Must include physical punishment. <laughs> yeah, and, and physical punishment for them isn't a beating, right? Because if I give a player a beating in-game, his pride's going to be bruised, but it doesn't really affect his character's sort of... Um, it, doesn't, it, it isn't as visceral as it is in real life. So the way you physically punish a player is you cut his character's arm off. And that's exactly what they did. Oof. Yeah, that would that would get the message across. Did he did he need that arm? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. He I does. mean, it's it's a mechanical he's got, question. He's got right? three. He doesn't need the third one. <laughs> it was a dwarf. He needed the arm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a dwarf. Yeah, probably probably bad thing. Okay, hold on, hold on. What type of person doesn't need one of their arms? Well, I mean, what person, what answer could he have given you? Be like, nah, he didn't really need it. Well, I mean, you know, if he was a mage, maybe like he didn't need the cast spells, or, or you know, like if you know, if he had a sword and a shield, he would. He was a dwarf fighter, axe and shield. Have you ever tried to make a sandwich with a broken arm? Yeah, it's like probably that's, impossible, right? It's hard. Well, it's not impossible, but it takes like three times longer. It's a problem. <laughs> well, I mean. Yeah. That. So that that happens. So they need to take revenge. So who do they decide to take revenge against? Uh, the DM. The whole city? I don't know. No, the boat. What? The 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 boat didn't chop off the arm. Although they they assume the crew would be on the boat, even though they were docked. So that's just going to get them in more trouble. So obviously the answer is to burn down the boat. So a player. Acts solo of the party burns down the boat. So what? What? So what came about after that? He gets caught. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Do they chop off his other? No, arm? no, no. no. They, this is a different guy. This is a different guy. Oh, okay. Actually, and, and he talks a lot of shit to the guards. So does he join the one-armed club? They get fed up and just kill him. In prison, and then tell the um, and, and tell the uh, tell the party that he'd been sent off in uh, to a penal colony. Mm. Nice. Uh, that guy, the guy whose character died, uh, he he got it after that, like very quickly. He kind of realized, oh, okay. <laughs> so so here's the question for you: Did the rest of the team talk about rescuing him? Uh. It was actually a 50-50 split. One armed guy and one other guy wanted to, and everybody else was like, no, <laughs> he got what was coming to him. <laughs> Not to mention one armed guy only counts as half a vote, right? Because he can only raise one hand instead of two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, um, well, that sucks. So they, they, they go on and, and the, the game kind of took a more like you race to collect the things tone um to try to beat out this kind of nasty dude who was trying to collect some dragon bones to resurrect a skeleton dragon 
The game finally culminates with them um, assembling a, uh, a skeletal construct in a bag of holding, trading it off, claiming it's a dragon bone to the uh, to the villain, and then killing him with it, uh, thus circumventing uh, both of the final bosses. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty creative, actually. Well, well except, yeah. except now that they don't get to fight any of the bo- and bosses, right? Like, yeah, but it's D and D, so that's that's a blessing right there. That's a reward. Yeah, that is a blessing that's right a there. Point. That's its own that's reward. Yeah. That was a uh, that was a Roscoe Jones original solution. So if you're if anybody is is interested, what kind of a person comes up with the uh, <laughs> comes up with the idea to um, build a skeletal construct in a bag of holding and then uh, use and then bait someone and then kill them? To end a campaign, he, he gets Roscoe Jones. Go find him, mask him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was so thorough. I was very thoroughly impressed with some of the things I saw. They were, they had figured out a lot of ways to deal with combat encounters that didn't necessarily involve combat. They treated uh, a lot of things more like a puzzle game. They did the classic um, player thing, wherein they a assumed that I had planned out absolutely everything, and then b also assumed a level of nefariousness on my part that is only about uh, three quarters larger than the actual level of nefariousness I actually have. <laughs> One thing I found <laughs> is that parties will um, players will tend to a remember different things than you about things, and and two. They will tend to uh, they will tend to assume a level of nefariousness to the to the game master that isn't actually there. Did you say A and then two? Yes, A and two. Okay, all right, just making sure. We're, we're doing we're doing Church Slavonic where the letters are actually numbers. <laughs> and vice oh, versa. okay. Now that, that that's true in Shadowrun as well. Um, the uh, the whole like level of GM nefariousness like we we went into this last mission uh, totally expecting to be betrayed by the uh, guy who'd hired us who was like some weirdo mage dude who was like had this magical circle that we had to be inside of for some specific reason and this is after we broke into his house and like ransacked the place for clues about something else so I'm like fully expecting him to betray us. So I hack into his comm link and check for messages and convince our mage to use a potion of detect intentions to see if he's betraying us. And so we get through the entire thing and he wasn't intending to betray us. Something else came up that that, that basically ruined all of our plans. But uh, so after my character like plotting against him the entire time, we get to the end of it and we're like sailing on the boat out of there. And I turned to the party and said, man, I just knew that guy was trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, no, they assume everyone is going to double cross them. And it's like, I normally don't do the double cross bit uh, unless I feel that it's particularly deserved. See, that's unfortunately one of my tropes. I, I tend to enjoy double crossing the uh, the player characters. Well, uh, no, no, here's the thing is you actually have to gauge it. You can't necessarily plan a double cross in a, in, in a head. If the party actually trusts someone, that's when you double cross them. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I also like, I also like, uh, um, like, like giving giving player characters rewards for tr- for their trust. You know, because sometimes sometimes it's very difficult for player characters to uh, to to trust like nameless, faceless NPCs that they had just met, right? So when you when you give uh, the player characters some reason to do that over the course of time they will eventually start doing that and I never I never do the whole like you know I wasn't planning on this guy double crossing him so I don't so I so I double you know and then and then I realize oh wait the player characters trust him so I double cross I almost I almost never do that when I 
when I intend to double cross them, I tend to drop clues. Mm. That, uh, and I know my player characters, obviously, so I'm able to uh, drop subtle hints that not all of them can detect. So That gets more interesting because it spurs conversation yeah, amongst right. themselves of like, is this guy going to... No, no, no. He's seen fine. What are you talking about? No, you're being paranoid. And then later you get that. I told you so. I told you he was going to betray us. <laughs> I also like I also like including like uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Senator Palpatine trick mm. where, where you have like secret dragons and shit. And uh, and liches ah, that you uh, nice. that, that you space out, and so you know sometimes at 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 some points their disguise slips a little bit, which is which can be one of the clues. No, no, no. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am the autism. Yeah, a little bit. So can I? Uh, can I? Can I complain about thirty k now? Or do I can I, do I say that word on here? I forgot. Uh, you already did, so it's fine. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> go off, chief. I'll bleep it out, and nobody will even know what you said. They'll think it was like really bad. Excellent, excellent, very good, very good. Yeah. So, so now, now that we're like an hour into the into the thing, I'm just like my 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 excitement level has uh has dropped. Basically, so we got we got Sanguinius, right? We got Sanguinius. We still still no book forge world we still don't have a book we still don't have malevolence right and fires of seraxis is never going to come out and uh yeah although there have been a lot of leaks of malevolence lately so i don't know i am uh i am i am waiting with bated breath for it but honestly i'm i'm kind of confused as to why i should be since you know uh since the last book was very very uh iffy and you know with the with the with uh some staff shakeups let's just say i'm not exactly i'm not exactly uh thrilled about seeing their next work of art unfortunately so thoughts have have you guys seen any of the uh any of the leaks no i have no strong feelings one way or another <laughs> my strong feeling is don't play 30k spend your money on something that isn't gay dab <laughs> uh, disavow to a certain extent but over time i'm coming to that uh i'm coming to that conclusion um yeah i mean like uh, slowly you, you purity spiral so slowly i Slowly, I began to hate them. You, you purity spiral to the point where the only acceptable uh, war game to play is chess. Yeah, yeah, and even and even then, it's like it's like I only play the white side, right? No, 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 no. You got to play war with cards. Eh. Yeah, but there there are no minis for that though. That's why it's pure. The only acceptable war game is to buy a sword and learn how to use it and fight other people with your sword. Is LARPing. Is LARPing. <laughs> literally LARPing. No, no, it's not it's not LARPing. It's historical European it's it's historical European martial arts, okay? Trad. No, no, I, I just want to LARP our way into Civil War Two. Can we do that? <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for the Civil War Two like YouTube video phenomenon where it's like Ben Shapiro uh owns libtards with eighty two millimeter mortar. It's like um 
you know, there might be only two, um, there might be only two genders, but I have an infinite number of mortar shells <laughs> or like, you know, facts don't care about your feelings and neither do my mortar shells. Take that anti-Semite. <laughs> this one's for Israel. Do you, do you know what cures body dysmorphia? Getting blown to pieces by my mortar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that would be based that would be I, I mean like that would be a funny youtube video now insofar as equipping ben shapiro with a mortar that is a that is an enormously yeah. horrible idea that is a slippery slope and the reason that the slope is slippery is because it's covered in palestinian guts mm. <laughs> that's a that's mm. a that's a big disavowal right there it's a very dark metaphor, but it had to be made. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was so? What I will say about the uh, malevolence leak, though, just to just to tie this off, is that we are getting uh, dark angels, and it appears as though we are also getting Templars. Some uh, some favorite uh, some favorite of uh, uh, of a few other uh, traditional game podcasts. So 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 there appears to be some uh, some bright points. Some uh, dark angels. We we've got. They're my favorites, TBH. Yeah, especially the older ones. They look like uh, Arthurian knights. Yeah, and very like based. That. And they've got they've got female space marines, right? No, they do not. Not yet. Ooh. Not not yet. That that's that's two years away because they've got to they've got to do the run on the plastic sisters first, so they can make sure they get it down right, so that they can make sure they mold something that won't get them called sexist before they do it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah. Yeah, don't don't remind don't remind me on this bleak future that's most likely going to happen. <laughs> the grim dark future there is only feminism. <laughs> the grim dark <laughs> I'm gonna use that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, in the grim dark future there is only feminism. But uh yeah, no, I mean like like the the Blood Angels have, have a few interesting uh pieces of war gear, but they're uh and apparently they're going to get a jump pack uh dreadnought. Don't they already? Oh wait, no. They have the magic dreadnought that can fly. Well, they have that, but uh... man, I almost called. I almost called 30k the early war and 40k the late war. Like Flames has like 1939 to 1940 is the early war, and then 1944 to 45 is the late war. <laughs> actually, actually, 30k is probably the late war. Like in all yeah. honesty, I was gonna say because it degrades in quality as it goes on, right? Like <laughs> they lose technology. <laughs> Sort of. I mean, like the psychic powers available in 40k are much different and better. I mean, well, they're they're more standardized. But uh, I I think I I honestly think that the psychic powers the psychic power system in 30k is worse. But the psychic powers in 30k are actually way better. I think anyway. I don't know. Maybe 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 that's too autistic. But uh, yeah. Well, wait until they uh, they they bring it in line with. Uh, what is it? Eighth edition, which they'll never do. They'll just ruin. Well, they'll ruin it again. No, they'll they'll do. They'll find a way to ruin it again. You, you, you forget who you're talking about here. Come on. <laughs> these these people could literally ruin a pile of gold. <laughs> like you could just take a perfectly good, just unused, untrodden pile of gold. Nothing wrong with it, and they'd find a way to ruin it. <laughs> Now, what I will say is that they're also getting dark mechanicas in malevolence, which may or may not have uh, 
40k rules coming out for it, we'll see. But there are dark mechanicas coming out, or at least the rules for them are. So that could be that could be cool. Hmm. Because currently there is no dark mechanicus uh, faction in 40k. Although, although there ha- there was that set that recently uh, either was teased or was came, or came out. I, I haven't actually checked yet, but uh, but it's got it's got a few dark mechanicus uh, units to them. So so there's there seems to be like like the the. Uh, uh, the out the outline or the or the cloud outline of a of another faction coming in 40k but you know we just haven't we haven't seen it yeah i think i think you're gonna see the dark mechanic is they're they're gonna try to make everything into a tabletop faction that people know of commonly mm-hmm. i think just to squeeze every last bit they can't to like maximize the number of dudes they can sell because you know you can only like if I have an older guard army, I may not want to get newer guard models because I like the way the older ones look because they remind me of back when I first got into the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh my god. Maybe maybe I should. Oh, should I should I talk about this? Yes, go ahead. Do it. Do it now. The uh the new in- infiltrating uh Primaris. Oh god. Let me let me find a picture of this. I got to find a picture of this. Oh no. Oh no. I, I, I can. Yes, that's right. Viewers, welcome to the part <laughs> of the show where we talk about something you cannot see. We do that from time to time. Not see. Yeah. Not see. <laughs> I just I just want to get I, I just want to get Mongoose's reaction to this. Uh-oh. I just want to say Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I put it in the uh, I put it in the recording booth. If you uh, if you scroll down a little bit. You'll see some uh, some excellent excellent models. Oh my dear lord! I mean, it, oh now I mean, now look at the like, suppressors. Wait, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, you know, the eliminators the eliminators aren't bad, but I I never thought I'd live to see the day that Warhammer 40k would be doing the token black guy uh, in model paint ups. <laughs> yes, yes, you, you caught that. The the eliminators, dedicated marksmen, these fire support warriors haunt the shadows of the battlefield, striking out high value targets and bring them. So they're basically Primaris with uh with sniper rifles. The Vanguard librarian looks pretty cool, but he also looks like he's tipping a non existent fedora. To be fair, if you're gonna be sticking to the shadows, you want a black guy with you. That's true. Did did you see the Vanguard lieutenant? Yeah, he looks <laughs> he looks very bad. I mean yeah is that is that a forehead or is your brain happy to see me (laughs) it's a it's a gene stealer obviously i still like the i still like the invisible fedora tip for the librarian looks like he never gave up the uh, the emperor's original edict so no god (laughs) he's out there he's gonna be like i don't believe in you demons tips fedora launches magic spell yeah so so yeah so my my theory for all of this is they're 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 releasing an entire set of what appear to be like scouts or like infiltrators. They're basically trying to take the Death Watch's uh, stick, as far as I can see. Anyway, I like how they're they're stealthy infiltrators that are bright blue. <laughs> yeah, but they right. but the but the librarian has a has a cool camo cloak on him. 
That's right. Cool camouflage. Actually, that seems like a splinter camouflage pattern, like something the Nazis would use. These guys might be a little too racist. And they're they're uh, they're petticoats, right? Got like a got like a petticoat splinter. But why are they blue? Because why would you pay, have the stealth faction be blue? Because they're ultra. Because they're the stealth faction of the blue faction. Right, I, I forgot. Actual camouflage is inferior to brand recognition. Sorry. <laughs> well, if you're GW, yes. Yeah, sorry, my bad. So that's that's all that's all I wanted to uh, that's all I wanted to. These are some of the most hideous models I've ever seen, and they're probably all monopose too. Uh, ab- absolutely. They are. They are. I can. I can guarantee. You. I like. <laughs> I like the first picture of the infiltrators. He's got a smoke grenade, but he looked like he accidentally dropped it. The guy on the very left. <laughs> it's like it's fell out of his hand. Like he's not tossing it to provide cover. He's like, hold on, brothers, I'll provide smoke. Oh shit! Hold, oh, oh, hold on, brothers, I dropped my grenade. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! The, the 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 other thing about this is, um, if you want a good tactical looking model. There are companies that provide cheap monopose like modern military figures that you could very easily just throw some 40k bits on to get some very cool sci-fi looking soldier out of. I mean, come on. Yes. I absolutely I absolutely agree with you. Some of the best models I own that I haven't painted are these uh five uh Desert Storm era um uh, United States Marine Corps commando guys uh, that are just monopose pewter, and they are so spectacular looking. Yeah. Now I just I just posted uh, the Game Workshops link, and that all these all these models come in a box with uh, some chaos models, and I wanted to get your reaction to these because I have a reaction to them. I just wanted to see what your uh, your reaction to these chaos models were. Chaos models. Yeah. Ooh. The, these are pretty edgy. I mean, significantly better than the, than the other ones, right? I would say so. I mean, they look edgy, but Chaos has always looked edgy. But in terms of like, which of these models would you rather own? I'd rather own the Chaos models. Yeah, like the goat skull guy with the fire coming out, who's obviously like, I am the demon sorcerer. Like, dude, yeah, that's cool. I mean, they look. Holy crap! This is this is one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Yes. Yeah, the the whole box set is one hundred and seventy five dollars. This is worse than Lego. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a reason. Like, if I was going to play a game in this scale, I'd be playing. Uh, I don't know, bolt action. Yeah, bring back micro machines. Okay, no here here's here's an even better thing is um these are all monopos. Uh, I don't know. This is like the same. This is less than was in the Dark Vengeance box set. And that box set was only a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You noticed that too, huh? Well, so so they also included in the Dark Vengeance box set. They also included a lot of uh, a lot of heretics, which are which, although they're smaller, I mean, you know, they're still they were chaos cultists, and those were really cool, detailed models. Yeah, I have I have several. Of those. In fact, in fact, I'm pretty sure I have all of them except one because I never really bought the Dark Vengeance. I bought them piecemeal, but still, yeah. I, I traded my uh, I traded mine off for some Scout Sentinels, but they were they were they were very cool and they were very nice little detailed models. Mm-hmm. But their detailing was like actually made sense. Yeah, I, I used to play with Legos. 
<laughs> so yeah, I was I was I was thinking about getting uh uh some of these chaos models piecemeal, but I can almost guarantee you that the chaos models are probably going to be way more expensive because they're simply better than the other than than the than the space marine models. Yeah, no, who who wants those? You, did you notice that the the suppressor's boot is like twice the size of his head? Yes. You mean the you mean the flying guy with the with the massive yeah. fucking uh, gun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, with the even massiver shoes. Yeah. Like his shoes are twice the size of his head. Well, you got to have massive shoes. If not you know more. what they say about big feet? Flying space uh, Apparently you need him to fly, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Now. Where do you think he generates his lift from? Mm, not the jetpack on his back. Yeah, it's no, the, it's the feet. It's the gigantic boot. Okay, okay, it's gotcha. Warhammer. What are you expecting? <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, this I, game is this game is going to going to hell very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I can't I can't deny that fact, but like, I, I mean, I mean, they're definitely taking a direction with both like the primaris and the uh and the and the chaos models but i just like it's not like it's not like we're getting a complete 10 man set of new chaos models for for like you know regular space marines plus a bunch of other things we're getting like five monopose dudes and like and like two monopose dudes of the other of like other uh squads right like we're getting two monopose obliterators two monopose what look like possessed uh what look like you know 10 monopose chaos space marines and then and then like a like a havoc looking guy but but havocs come in groups of five so where are the other four dudes hey question uh what it what is with this um whammon commissar uh figurine that what? Uh, what do you mean? What? I was poking around the website and I found a uh, <laughs> a whammon commissar. Whammon commissar, apparently, <laughs> and it is it isn't attractive. Uh, Ooh, this is one Severina of the rain. Yeah, I actually didn't see this come out. I mean, she she looks like an average Russian woman. Not really. <laughs> uh, Strong jaw. Yeah, mm-hmm. but she doesn't have like the uh she, no she, it, exactly. This is <laughs> this is cancer. <laughs> mm. Hmm. Maybe this is actually a man and you're being really problematic right now. That that Could would be. I wouldn't be surprised. This is just a beardless man. Also, who is Rachel Harrison, the person that wrote this book? Is this like the new? This is supposed to be like Cyphus Kane, I think, like the new thing because it's a a, a a Severina Rain novel, honor bound. So this is like, is this the new thing they're trying to astroturf for their community? Oh man, did you read the description of this character? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> oh Jesus, I want to read this. I want to read this. Hold dude, on, dude. You go ahead. Go ahead, Chief. Uncompromising and fierce. 
Commissar Severina drives the 11th Antari rifles to reclaim the worlds of the Bale Stars that have fallen under the shadows of chaos. Utterly dedicated to the pursuit of victory in the Emperor's name, Rain always fights at the heart of battle with her power saber and bolt pistol in hand. She will not flinch from her duty, be that the persecution of the enemy or enforcing the Emperor's will. No matter the threat of the foe, Commissar Severina will stand unbroken. So what 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 you're telling me is this is really really bad. We're trying to redo Cyphus Kane and Gaunt's Ghosts at the same time. Yes, <laughs> and this time it's a whammon. Ah, uh, written by a whammon. Written by a whammon. It's it's whammons all the way down. That 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 um that that description you read me is like. They're trying hard to make um make those two characters into one thing for like the new fan base, but what they don't realize is they could just re-release all the old stuff for that stuff, you know, and then re- like remake a nice like Gaunt model and then just make Gaunt a playable thing, you know. You know, they could literally print money with Tanith models, so they don't have to like astroturf a new thing, but you know. Games Workshop being the uh, the intelligent people they are, you know. Well, yeah, I mean they they did that with uh, oh, darn it, I can't I can't remember, can't remember that guy's name. Uh, it wasn't Kane. It was the uh, the Inquisitor. Uh, um, Eisenhorn. Yeah, Eisenhorn. Thank you very much. Yeah, they they did that with Eisenhorn. They actually released a model for him. I I have I, the Eisenhorn model, and it's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty rare. Yeah, it looks like a good model. I've never seen it. Yeah, leading from so so. Did you see the rules for Severina? Severina. No, no. Let me let's see the rules for Severina. So she's got an aura of discipline, which makes sense for a female, right? Yes. Mm. Well, all commissars have that, so. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you think about it, actually, commissars follow the naturally feminine uh, escalation of violence, right? They go immediately from telling you something to shooting you. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like male leaders would have, you know, steps in between there, in between just like immediately immediate application of violence. But the commissars don't operate that way. So commissar commissars do t- are in 40k commissars are supposed to operate on that and like it's kind of over like the fan interpretation of the setting versus what the setting is actually trying to convey at points diverge and like the interpretation of what the commissar is is one of those points mm-hmm. well yeah they're supposed to be unflinching and uncompromising right so her pistol's name is penance <laughs> That's very close to penis. I mean, penis. <laughs> and it's 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 not even a masterwork pistol because masterwork would have damage too. This has strength four, AP negative one. So it's I don't know anything about that, but I know that that she has Evan Fall. Would you say that she has penance envy? I think she does have penance envy. Now that I mm. now that I'm looking at it, yeah. So and and her weapon skill and ballistic. Up, eh, eh. Save four up. It just seems like a normal, normal Lord Commissar. Yeah, just with like an extra like boost, like a small boost. If the model was good looking and she had like hair worth looking at and stuff, I'd say it was actually like you know not that bad. But you know, 
Maybe they made her ugly because, like, the soldiers are supposed to be running away from her and towards the orcs. So they're trying to say, like, the orcs are less unattractive. Her face is not the most atrocious, like, female face sculpt they've ever done. That's the thing. Is like, no, it's like a Bishonin. Kinda. I mean, if they if they put like a nice ponytail and like a, a better body on her, she'd actually like you know be okay. But uh... she d- she doesn't have the uh, the battle sisters boob plate. Well, that's that's a problem. <laughs> We need Miles to print a, a custom breastplate. Yeah, l- let's see if we can get Ma- Miles to fix this model for us. Yes. Can we get hair and uh, and, and an actual like actual armor for it? Hey, dude, is your can you set your three D printer to buxom? Is that an option? <laughs> can we can we can we make this go from like uh, from like Bara to Ara? <laughs> I'm glad you got that. <laughs> Yeah. Let's go from plate to melon. Is that an option? Can we go from, uh, can we go from, uh, we just, uh, on an Ara scale, on the Ara scale of model, uh, model attractiveness, we need to go from like a zero to a 10. Okay. Is that possible? Like go, go into the slider and adjust it from board to boob. Is that, is that, that's, that's one of the odd, like the sliders in there. Right? <laughs> I mean, but that's not wrong. It's literally like a, it's like a flat sheet of like plate yes. metal. <laughs> Yeah, go, just just drag uh, that slider over there from flat as a board to actually has boobs. Ah, oh, there we go. Perfect. You nailed it. I I am Oh my god. This this is this is infuriating me the more I'm looking at this. So so <laughs> so I'm reading some of the rules for the Primaris Space Marines and uh Shadow Spear. Shadow Spear, by the way, is the uh is the box set. Uh I'm reading some of these rules and they're just like, oh my god. Th- because because they would work so well. Like, like it's actually got a suppressing fire rule. If this unit destroys any enemy models in your shooting phase with its accelerator auto cannons, the destroyed models unit cannot fire Overwatch until the end of the turn. Why don't more units have that? Can I have a suppressing fire on like I don't know the guys with heavy bolters? Because then you wouldn't have to buy new models. <laughs> right, right. New, new baby carrier uh, flying, uh, comically oversized gun models. Yeah. Uh, with a boot the size of a guardsman. <laughs> right. And these guys have bolt sniper rifles and my death watch do not. I am mad. I am mad right now. Pissed off. I'm just I'm like it's uh, this this uh, model right here is disconcerting for the sisters of battle we will eventually see <laughs> come out. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And uh the sisters of battle, mark my words, will be the model by which the uh the female space marine is formed. The sisters of board chests. <sighs> and it's not even like the sisters of battle were even that good model like female models to begin with. It's just that they weren't bad. <laughs> See, but I will I would have to push back on you though, because the other two uh female models that have come out uh uh, the one for Blackstone Fortress and the uh, Inquisitor Greyfax both have boob plate, so so we may we may actually be getting boob plate in Sisters of Battle. Mm. I still posit that this commissar is transgender. This is clearly a man who has transitioned to a woman. Hmm. Mm. Have you ever seen like the again with these model scales? Like I get it's a very good point. 
I grant you that. But with, with these model scales, it's difficult to tell. Like, if you ever look at the Sister of Battle models, they they have some <laughs> serious problems with their faces, too. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just talking about the body type. Well, yeah, well, I mean, naturally. No, not naturally. <laughs> this is not natural. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I don't even want to repeat this. Do it. Okay, so remember the sniper rifle? The snipers, the eliminators, because they yes. eliminate things? These guys are your dedicated primary snipers, but with their firepower died up to 11. I'm not joking. Thanks to the genius of Belisarius Call. So, so do they like roll a D eleven? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> it means it. It means it's cringe. It's horrible yeah, cringe. It is very that cringe. Is I'll give you that. So cringe and blue pilled. Oh my and lord! And of course, there's a new new lieutenant, new lieutenant in Phobos armor. Uh, mongoose. Remember the lieutenants? All like nine of them. Yes. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking back to the good old days when you had multiple pose models. Oh, the man. Lord Commissar the, model the, was a Chad who was shooting his bolt pistol at either the, uh, the your friends or the enemy. <sighs> now it is no longer. Uh, now that is no longer so. The Virgin, whatever this is, versus the Chad, whatever that was. <laughs> <sighs> wow, we're. This is some low energy memes right here. Well, I mean, I, I, I can't come up with words to like, okay, my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. How about that for a meme for you? I have no words to discuss, to, to describe the utter and total lack of enthusiasm and horrible crushing defeat. This has been for my soul watching my favorite aspect of my favorite faction get grounded to the ground by an unattractive whammons model. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're still, you're still on the commissar. That's funny. That thing has ruined my day. Thing has ruined my day. Bad thing. Bad. I don't know. I I'm over here reading a manga about petting fluffy Fox girl ears. So I'm, I'm fine. Well, why can't, why can't I have that in my war game? That's see that, that <laughs> is, you know what? You could put it on a large base. It could be a little magic fox girl and the other dude on the base. He pats the ears and it shoots lightning bolts. GW, why have you not <laughs> hired me yet? <laughs> well, no, that's you guys are talking before about having a uh, monster girl war game. Get on it. You've got Miles. He can make these things, obviously. Is Miles like good enough of a like is Miles a sculptor though? Like we need like a we need the guy who sculpts Kingdom Death to do like anime monster girl waifus. <laughs> You're getting really specific with your goals here. Your dreams need to be a little broader, buddy. <laughs> well, he's the only person I can think of who would actually meet our specifications for meeting that like somewhat realistic, good-looking model that is also somewhat lewd uh, requirement that a Monster Girl war game would need. All right, if you're listening to this and you're on racist Twitter and you could sculpt a vaguely lewd Monster Girl war game <laughs> model, message Mongoose. We'll make it happen. Indeed. We need, yeah. Well, we will, we will write up rules. We will 3D print these models. We will then uh, utilize some advanced micro abrasion techniques to make the models look nice out of the 3D printer. The ears must be fluffy. The ears will be very fluffy. And then it'll be good. 
<laughs> the black pills will cease. I will I will stop black pilling if we had a uh, an anime monster girl uh, war game. That's what we need. You heard it here, folks. Help Mongoose. Just send your parents' credit card info right now. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. It's like if I was going to do a war game, I'd, then then like you got to make a rule book, which means I got to go find people to do art for the rule book, which is like a nightmare. No, we, dude, we know people. We we can we can make this happen. It's just a matter of will. Where there's a will, there's a way. You you the will to power. Yeah, the will to will to waifu wargaming. There you go. That's our episode title right there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I think I think we've uh, I think we've uh, we've exhausted pretty much everything we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> All right. All right. See you, see you guys next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. All right, you've already done that bit. Yeah, I'll keep doing it.
Thank you.